Welcome to the Global Band Group, a podcast that brings you stories, news, and great guests from across the world of wind, brass, marching band, and drum corps. My name is Keith Kelly, and I'm a band director from the west coast of Ireland. Each episode, I sit down with band musicians and directors from across the world to talk about their stories, their bands, and how they're making an impact in their communities. Before we start, you can find out more about the podcast and the people and stories that we feature over at bandsofireland.com forward slash the global band room. And you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at the global band room. And now on with the show. Welcome back to the band room and a happy belated St. Patrick's Day to all of the listeners and musicians around the world. Um, Hopefully you were able to enjoy the um, Irish celebration in whatever way you possibly could where you are. Here in Ireland it was a little bit different of course. This was our second year. It's hard to believe that this was our second year without our national celebration. It's usually a big day for uh, marching bands and concert bands and choirs and you know, the arts in general here in Ireland, and it was sorely missed this year. Uh, so hopefully you were able to enjoy it in whatever way you could um, at home. Uh, of course, St. Patrick's Festival was all online this year. And if you have li- listened to some of the previous podcasts, you'll know that we had uh, produced a number of virtual performances for this year's festival. We did five performances. There was four of them for uh, the four provinces of Ireland and the musicians from those provinces. And we also had one virtual uh, performance by international musicians as well. You can find all of those performances over at St. Patrick's Festival. So that's stpatricksfestival.ie. And all five performances are available there for a limited amount of time Uh, I know that the license does run out eventually um, but it is available right now if you head over and uh, you'll be able to see maybe you even took part in that that performance so uh, for anyone that did take part or had their students take part a huge thank you from Ireland and I hope that you enjoyed your participation So Global Band Room is exactly one year old as of the 16th of March. We started doing these interviews as part of the Bands of Ireland platform on the 16th of March, the day before St. Patrick's Day in 2020, and we're a year going now at this point. Uh, Thank you so much to everyone that has supported the podcast in its many different iterations that it's gone through over the last 12 months. Um, It looks like Many parts of the world are starting to slowly return back to normal. I'm I'm touching wood as I speak here, uh, but hopefully that is the case and that's the trend that's moving forward. I know certain parts of the States are already back doing band rehearsals. We're starting to look at maybe doing that later on in this year. Wherever you are in the world, it's not quite the same as it was. And Drum Corps International and Ultimate Drill Book uh, and many of their partners have launched a campaign called Hashtag BeBandReady. And the ask is very, very simple. Uh, Whether you are a band, uh, a band director, musician, whether you're a corporate partner supplying instruments or uniforms, um, when you're posting online, use the hashtag BeBandReady, hashtag keep playing, hashtag keep spinning, hashtag keep drumming. Um, And let's all celebrate and learn together how to get through this because this is going to be one of the most challenging times 
through this whole year um, is returning back to our band halls and what's changed you know it's going to be a very different time so hashtag be band ready it's a really good um, uh, campaign even if you're not someone that posts very often uh, but you like lurking in those social media channels H- head over and and give a few likes to some of the posts that people are putting up there because some really uh, really interesting posts that that people are making now and lastly uh, before we head over to our interview with Amy Knops from the University of Missouri today, let me just give you a few uh, housekeeping updates for the podcast and podcasts. Uh, we just launched our third episode of the Repertoire Happy Hour podcast last weekend. So if you haven't heard that already, it's definitely worth going over and have a listen. We had Captain John Carpenter from the Irish Defence Forces. We had Amy Knops, who is on our interview today from the University of Missouri. And of course, we had the ever-present Gail Brechting, uh, president-elect, soon to be uh, president of the Association of Concert Bands uh, on the podcast. We talked about all things Ireland, Irish composers, Irish music, Irish song, and Irish-inspired works too. So if you're in any way interested in learning a little bit more about Irish concert band or brass band music, uh, that podcast is already in your feed. So give it a listen. Now, on today's episode, I am talking to Dr. Amy Knops, who is the Associate Director of Bands and Director of Athletic Bands at the University of Missouri, the Marching Mizzou. And I got to know Amy through our um, links with St. Patrick's Festival. The Marching Mizzou has marched a number of times in the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Ireland. And as we were preparing our virtual performances this year and our virtual messages, uh, I got working with Amy and uh, she's fascinating. We have a love of marching band and concert band. And so I wanted to dig deep into her musical journey and into her thoughts on the last 12 months and where band is going in the future too. So this is my interview with Dr. Amy Knops. So I'm delighted to be joined here today in the Global Band Room by Amy M. Knops, uh, who is the Associate Director of Bands and Director of Athletic Bands at the University of Missouri. Amy, thank you so much for joining me. And as you can see, I did pronounce your second name correctly. (laughs) You did. Very good. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do you get many people uh, pronouncing it uh, with a silent K? All the time, all the time. Oh. And I get all of the jokes that are associated with that. Oh, well, well, how's your knee? Did you cut it with a knife? <laughs> you know, day one of class, my my arm is already up. <laughs> to correct my... Well, well, for anyone listening to the podcast last week, when I announced that we will be talking to Amy Knops, I was wrong. Uh, we're, we're actually talking to Amy Knops. <laughs> uh, yeah. Amy, no, I'm delighted to, to, to have you have you on the podcast this week. And uh, I mentioned to you before the, before the show, before we started recording, that uh, I was obviously very aware of you and, and of the band and of the Marching Mizzou and uh, and and. and all the work that you do, uh, but we had never had the reason to to sort of connect before. Uh, and and Facebook actually on many occasions brought you up as a suggested friend. But we ha- again we had no reason to connect, but we recently did. Uh, and you uh, recorded um, for the um, Bands of Ireland project that I'm running now at the moment for St Patrick's Day because your band has a long association with the. Uh, St. Patrick's Festival here in Ireland. Tell me, let's start there, actually. Tell me a little bit about uh, your tours to Ireland and um, I'm I'm missing out on a tour last year. 
Sure. Well, it's it's just heartbreaking not to have taken Marching Mizzou over on our tour of Ireland last year. As I was mentioning before the show with you in our discussion, you know, this time last year, we were so looking forward to our tour. We were doing our final arrangements. We were just about to restart rehearsals and preparation for our trip over. And so we're approaching some, you know, (laughs) very heartbreaking, you know, memories. And we had such hope that we would be returning in 2021 because we were first in the post moment. Well, our tour is just postponed. Surely we'll be able to over in 2021. And then unfortunately, as the year progressed, and as we were getting toward the end of our fall semester, we we had to make the call and we we just knew it was the right thing to do to officially cancel the tour. But we're hoping to return again. But before my time at the University of, of Missouri, and I guess I would say my return time because I'm an alumna of the University of Missouri and I was a member of Marching Mizzou for four years. I was a member, then section leader of our piccolo section, and then drum major. So it's it's just a dream to be wow. back on faculty and serve as director. But before I returned, Marching Mizzou was very fortunate to have gone over, you know, to Ireland to participate in the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Dublin, and of course the international marching competition in Limerick and they did that in in 2016 and then 2012 four years before that so I was thrilled to keep this four-year rotation going and I I don't want to do that you know moving forward because I Mm -hmm. believe so much in this opportunity for our students and to be able to provide that for students and luckily we've we've built such a great connection with everyone over in Ireland associated with the, with the festival. So we will come back <laughs> and we're looking forward to that. We, we will. And, and it was, it's been great to have you and in, uh, in, involved in the project and, and uh, I won't spend too long talking about the project because I do on every episode, but um, for anyone that has been recording themselves, we've just just as I record this interview with Amy today, we've we've come close to the closing date for the international submissions. We've already closed off the domestic um, uh, submissions. We've had over seven hundred and eighty videos from all over the world, um, people submitting their their performances in support of the festival, which is one of the world's big festivals, um, and and also in support of the community bands here in Ireland that rely on their own local St Patrick's Day parades um, for fundraising opportunities for launching recruitment for the year just to let people see them um and so thank you so much for to you amy and to everybody i i, I actually get to look face to face with someone and say thank you for this um but you are a, a medium for me to say thank you to everybody that has got involved in this um it means so much to uh the organization bands of ireland st patrick's festival but to all the community bands around around the country too so thank you Oh, absolutely. It was our pleasure to send over our footage and to speak personally and to provide that all for you. And just just know how much that we're all in this together, you know, on the domestic level, on the international level. That's what's so great about our art form and what 
we are so blessed to do and we will get through this. And I'm mm. so glad we have this international community to rely on one another to do so. Happy to help in any well, way I could. Well, well, thank you again, Amy. And, and, and I do want to get into a lot of um, how you've been uh, coping over the last year and, and the work that you've been doing and how you've adjusted. But let's take a step back for a little while first. Let's talk a little bit about your um, background and how you came to the position that you're in now. Um, when you started music, so we've we've talked to so many American directors at this point that, you know, the, the story is normally sort of middle school, high school. But was music part of your family at all growing up? In a small way, my mother grew up as actually a ballet dancer. And she, ah. yes. And so she transitioned through all her levels in, in Kansas City, Missouri, which uh, in Missouri, it is on the western part of the state, right on the border of Missouri in Kansas. So she had... Uh, trained at the Kansas City Conservatory up through all the levels, and it was time for her to move on. Her instructors and her ballet master says, you you need to move on to New York. It is time for you to audition for the School of American Ballet and, and move on to New York. And her dad, unfortunately, said, no, that's that's not going to happen. She's She was an only mm-hmm. child and you're going to remain here and go to high school. And obviously that was a very trying time in her life and she was quite he- heartbroken at that firm no. <laughs> and of course, back then in the 1950s, right. yes, sir, you know, you did what <laughs> uh, your parents mm-hmm. had, you know, Um, guided you to do so she you know started the clarinet and she was in the marching band you know in Kansas City at her high school Hogan High School and and so I had that background I and growing up always knew that my mom you know played clarinet she would say she played the licorice stick that was (laughs) um, (laughs) I guess um just a nickname for the clarinet that I, I knew growing up, the licorice stick. <laughs> and then right. one of my siblings, my brother, apparently had attempted to play the trumpet. And uh, of course, our, we have German heritage, also Irish, you know, one, one half of my side of the family is Irish. And then we do have um, a side of us, which is German, thus canops. <laughs> my uh, brother got quite frustrated with the trumpet and he threw it across the room. So my parents said, okay, we're done. (laughs) No more trumpet. (laughs) So (laughs) that was a little bit of our background in our family of, uh, of music and, and and certainly anyone playing the instruments. (laughs) So did you know that the, you know, signing up to the, to the band in, in middle school, was, was that something that was kind of almost expected of you or, um, you know, was that something that you just had a vision for yourself that you wanted to do? Well, my pathway started actually with Cinderella. I grew up loving the movie Cinderella. I, I think I wore out that back then, those VHS tapes that, <laughs> that we would use to watch. Now, of course, it's, you know, Disney Plus and everything. It's right. <laughs> right. Back in back in my day, we had the VHS tape and put it in the VCR and off we went. Uh, and so when it came time, again, at our elementary school level, and of course, I, I grew up enjoying music and in our general music classes, uh, but 
when it came time for us to start thinking about instrumental music, we were able to, um, wit- there's my cat meowing. <laughs> there, hey, buddy. <laughs> uh, we were able, yes, he wants to go back outside. I'm telling you, it's too cold outside, buddy, but alas. <laughs> but we were introduced to the different instruments as we were getting ready to potentially select the instruments. And the student who demonstrated the flute played bippity boppity boo. And that, that was just, that was it for me. You know, <laughs> sold. I was so, <laughs> I need to play the flute. This person knows a Cinderella song. Oh my gosh. And, and then off we went. And I remember my dad was picking me up from school early at the time. So I had a dentist appointment. And as we were checking out from the offices, we got a number of, of, of papers. And one of the papers was um, what instrument and, you know, and basically to sign up for instrumental music. And my dad asked me, he's like, oh, well, you know, your mom played clarinet. Hey, does this interest you at all? And I said, yes. And I just, you know, went into this long discussion and an excited description of what just happened. Oh yes. They just came to our class and this, you know, the student demonstrated the flute and played bippy boppy boo, like sign me up. I was, I was there. And <laughs> then on it, it, I was so happy to play the flute and ascend up, you know, through my training. Isn't it so amazing? Um, and so many people have have their story of how they they pick their instrument. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, something as small as on that day, that student plays a song that connects with you, and it sets forward a lifetime of of performance. And uh, you know, maybe maybe you would have taken up clarinet, and maybe you would have gone on the same path anyway, but maybe not. Isn't it amazing though? And 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 we as teachers are responsible for those little moments for our students too. Absolutely. And it, I just was so enchanted with that. And, and actually my first, my very first flute teacher who we were, we had a, a, a mentorship program in our, from high school to our beginning levels. And we had the opportunity to take lessons from some senior members of our top band at the high school level. So sign me up. I wanted to have that private instruction right away. And my first, again, my first teacher, her dream was to play for cartoons. She wanted to be that flute player, you know, the morning, early wow. morning, sunshine, the birds are coming out. Oh, here's the, <laughs> you know, here's the flute and piccolo music. And, and so I just had this early connection, of course, with Cinderella. And then this dream of this instrument being able to be the soundtrack for so many students and young children going through middle school and high school was mm-hmm. was the was the marching band a, a big part of uh what you uh, associated with band or or was that something that would come later in college it was something that came later you know we yeah. were all about the development of, of, of course, of ourselves on the instruments and that concert band level. And as we were approaching high school, you know, we were, I was very fortunate to be in a very strong program in the Kansas City area. Lee Summit specifically is where I grew up. It's on the southeastern side of Kansas City, our larger metropolitan area. So this is a suburb of that larger metropolitan area. And we had an excellent band program with an excellent marching band. And so I knew that that was ahead of me in my secondary 
instruction, but we were just focused on um, our development and also on the orchestral side of things. We had a, a strong band, concert band program, marching band program, orchestra, full orchestra, choir, and mm. on in those younger years, I was actually pulled over to the full orchestra side because in our in our school district, we had an opportunity to be involved in the sixth grade honor orchestra. So after my fifth grade year, I, I just loved playing flute. I was completely immersed in anything music related. So here was an opportunity to be involved in another ensemble. We it met after school at the at the junior high now it's middle school but back then it was called our junior high and and I was all all for it and I was lucky enough to make that honor orchestra so I sat there first share flute and then right next to me Michelle Foster who's principal oboe at the <laughs> Toledo Symphony now she's you know had such a wow stunning career uh, and but really my and I and that experience allowed me to develop such a love for orchestral playing. And then, of course, as I got closer and closer to the secondary levels, I was excited to be a part of the marching band. And once I got into that, and my first year in our ninth, you know, in grade nine, we actually had our own freshman marching band because our numbers were going growing so much at our secondary level. And actually, our our school then split into two high schools because our, our our enrollment was was just bursting. So I we had our own freshman marching band first before then we got into the official Lee Summit High School Golden Tiger marching band that then took me from tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade. And during those years, in my junior year and my senior year, I served as drum major. So that really fueled a love of the marching arts and conducting as well because right. I had the that so student. was that that was your first sort of exploration in the area of conducting was that sort of mm-hmm. was that part of your consideration when um thinking about college um you know having been the drum major of your your high school band that gives you a real taste of teaching and instruction and being um being almost sort of on staff with your with your with your with your school was that a was that a defining moment for you was that a defining feature of high school for you oh absolutely that opportunity to lead the ensemble and be providing leadership in for my peers and my peer group. And again, conducting, it was my first experience on, you know, being on the other side of the podium and allowing to myself to influence sound. And I just, you know, fell in love with it. And very early on going back to my fifth grade year for, you know, for whatever reason, you know, I just, I took to the flute very quickly and I, I, I just got it. And I was in, I just was so proud at, at what I was achieving at that, that younger level. And I remember my director at the time um, pulled me aside and one of my, my peers, if we were in Girl Scouts together, you know, she said, you know, my friend Jody was was having a little trouble with her chromatic scale. And and my director knew that I was excelling at it. 
And she said, would you mind to go out in the hall and help your friend? You know, she's having a little bit of trouble and no problem. And I got excited. I was like, okay, I get, I mean, I know this really well. I want to help my friend. My, in going back a little bit, my, my dad uh, was a professor. Uh, He taught math and mathematics at the high school level and also at the collegiate level. My mom, again, from ballet, clarinet playing, and she became a nurse. And so I grew up in the environment of seeing my parents help people, teaching, seeing my mom helping someone. So here was my opportunity, you know, to help my friends. So we went out in the hall and I was like, okay, Jody, you got this. Okay, B flat, like B natural, on up. And she got it. And so that moment of me helping someone just stayed with me as I grew up and went through my own training. And then when I got to, again, the high school level, earning the position of drum major, that was just multiplied because I was helping my friends, my peers. I loved our band family. I loved my peer group. And I was able to help everyone at that larger level. In addition to having fun conducting and being in front and (laughs) and, um, just being able to... So so music education was was always the... Um, vehicle for for like it seems like everything sort of culminated around music education as opposed to um, mm-hmm. a performance or or musicology or education was sort of at the core of what you wanted to do definitely yeah as I was thinking about what to major in in college it just came down to two things I love music I've done absolutely everything I could that was available to me in music through my high school teachers and everything around me. And I loved helping people. So I said, music education, there you go. <laughs> I went forward from there. So music education all doesn't, doesn't, and certainly in Europe, doesn't always go hand in hand with conducting though. Um, certainly, cer- certainly not here, but but it, more so probably in the US because music education is taught through the vehicle of ensemble, uh, primarily I would say probably band, maybe choir, um, but certainly ensemble. Whereas it's much more classroom based, uh, cl- classroom based here. Would it, would it be fair to say that education or conducting um, did education lead on to you falling in love with conducting or or vice versa, um, or have you always just had had a love of both? Had a love of both, but it when I got as I ascended through my degree program at the University of Missouri, and I took basic conducting and really learned more of the art form and the mechanics of movement in conducting, that opened up a whole new pathway for me to learn that at the performance level, which then after I finished my degree, taught at the middle and high school level, I went into performance-based degrees, specifically in conducting, which Mm. I learn more and excel in that specific art of conducting and earning my master's degree and then my doctorate of musical arts, you know, specifically in wind conducting. So, but early on, yes, there's so much focus on, and especially at the University of Missouri, where we focus, yes, on that technique of conducting, but then we move very quickly into the pedagogy and rehearsal techniques. So our students are coming out of our program not knowing and not, you know, 
uh, or in addition to being able to move well on the podium and move clearly on the podium, but also know how to diagnose and how to remedy the, the, the environment. So um, I noticed from your bio that you did have some time teaching at uh, middle school uh, and it's almost a different career, right? Like compared to (laughs) (laughs) compared to teaching and and for the people that are are good at it, like I talked to Darcy Williams about about this before, Um, Darcy would never consider teaching anywhere, but this is what she loves, the idea of starting um, starting children out, it's incredibly difficult. Uh, and, uh, you, you did have some time doing the, doing the, doing teaching at middle school. Was it something that you enjoyed doing? You, you mentioned that you liked the idea of helping people and bringing them on. I'm sure that was probably very rewarding, uh, at a middle school level. Oh, absolutely. And we need excellent uh, music educators at those levels. I mean, right. you, that is critical for us. And, and I think, you know, now I'm here at the collegiate level, we lean greatly on our feeder programs, if you will, from top to bottom. And at a time where, you know, students have so many opportunities and, and they're growing more and more every day. We need excellent music educators. And we're so thankful that we do have excellent music educators at that level to excel our students or help our students excel and help them continue to fall in love with this art form. Cause it's a, it's a lifelong journey. You know, you don't master this mm-hmm you know, in six months to a year, you, I'm still learning how to be a better performer, you know, as a flute and piccolo player, as a conductor, I learn something new every day that goes into my development. And for us to have those music educators, you know, at the, you know, beginning and, and middle level, and of course, secondary level as well is, I'm so thankful for, and I want to, you know, energize, you know, those, those educators and those students. And I remember in my own development as a younger professional, and even throughout my collegiate years, I would have mentor instructors who would often say, get me back to that seventh grade band or the eighth grade band. And I just, I, I want to be able to be that inspiration for them to, to keep going, to keep growing. And and of course, there you're you're not only working on you're you developing their musicianship, but just developing their technique and how to continue to build upon their you know in, initial interactions with the instrument. Is it something that you ever considered doing um, long term, Amy, or, or had you always got an eye on, on on maybe working at a high school or a collegiate level? Um, it, it's 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 a big decision for anyone when they start doing that at that stage to move on and to maybe not focus on that middle school uh, period. Um, what what drove you to maybe move on from that? Because it is it, it's an incredibly difficult profession at that level. Um, what 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 made made you think uh, you wanted to move on? John Lynch. 
Right. <laughs> a, a previous podcast guest, actually. Uh, he is my one of my very dear friends and, and mentors. And my first year teaching at the secondary level and the middle school level, uh, we were very fortunate that it was also his first year back then at the University of Kansas. And at the high school level, my assistant director at the time and our director of auxiliaries, Tim Greenwell, he had casually said to me, oh, I I hear we've got a new director of bands at Kansas. You know, I would, you know, what about inviting him over to work with our students? I've heard he's great. Just came from Northwestern. And of course, myself as a first year teacher, sure, you know, anything to help our students be you know, even more successful, help inspire students. Absolutely. Let's bring him in. And we did. And it was a transformative experience for our students, for me. And he also enjoyed what I was doing, you know, in, in my program. And, and so we kind of mutually had an eye on one another and we developed a great professional friendship. Um, and of course, professional just mentor relationship while he was at, at Kansas. And when an opportunity and a spot came open in his conducting studio, he reached out to me and said, have you ever thought about studying conducting, you know, and, and earning your master's degree? And, and I, and I had, you know, I was like, well, sure. But I had always thought I would, you know, teach, you know, and really have the opportunity to be at a program for, you know, a number of years, you know, five, mm-hmm. 10 years, and then, then go on. It was just faintly down the road, you know, right. and, and then all of a sudden through our conversation, it, it was right in front of me. And, and I was like, well, I really enjoy, you know, this mentorship. I would love to get my you know, my degree in conducting, I would love to be able to learn from John. So I applied, I earned the spot and then a kind of a way I went in a, in a new direction. But when John Lynch entered my, <laughs> entered my, room, my life changed. he changed everything. <laughs> he changed everything. <laughs> so, so to, if you, if you were to, um, advise you know, young Amy Canops or, or anyone in that position now, for instance, that, that sort of at that middle school, high school level, and they're weighing up the pros and cons of whether to really focus in. And, and as we said there, you know, that without the middle school level and without great teachers at that, the collegiate level just doesn't exist. Um, if you were to advise and weigh up those pros and cons, what are the really important considerations that you needed to make at that time to decide to go that different direction? And and was there anything that was drawing you back towards maybe staying and focusing on, on young, younger education? Well, it was the students. It, it, I mean, it was an incredibly hard decision to to make and to leave that program. I was so fortunate that we were doing quite well. And I was so proud of the progress that we are making. And this is a program, long history, long standing tradition of excellence. I was fortunate to, you know, have earned, you know, the, the position and I wanted to, uh, stay connected with the students and continue our work together. And that is what broke my heart the most, knowing that, okay, yes, I would be going on in this new direction of my career, but it would be 
it would mean that I would leave this program and these students and, and my colleagues, you know, I, that was, that was hard, Mm. really, really difficult. And, and I still, you know, um, not that I regret the decision, but it's, it's still, it still hurts because I, I, I love that program and I'm, (laughs) I love, you know, I loved my time with them and those students, you know, it was all very, very special. So it would have been well, the students to pull me back. No, no question. <laughs> and 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 John, they pulled you forward. <laughs> pulled you forward, so everyone can blame John. <laughs> but just that opportunity to to learn conducting at that high level and to learn from such a wonderful musician and an artistic conductor. It it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm so glad that I did move in that direction because obviously that set the the table for the rest of and the rest of my career and the course, you know, for my career. Over the years, I've had the pleasure to host many visiting international bands, choirs and orchestras here in Ireland alongside my own bands and groups. Every one of these events is exciting, and my favorite part of each exchange is seeing the musicians kids and adults interact with each other sharing their stories and experiences. If it wasn't for the accent, I'm not sure I could identify my own band kids sometimes. So when I got into the music travel business, I wanted to make sure I was working with a company that understood that these exchanges were at the heart of the experience and not just something to be ticked off an itinerary. I've been so fortunate to find not one but two companies. Celtic Horizon Tours in Ireland and Kaleidoscope Adventures in Florida. They share these values and they respect the ensembles and students that they work with. So, whether you're trying to plan a domestic tour in the US with the highest of standards for ensuring your group is safe and healthy, or whether you're starting to plan for that international trip in 2022, you can contact me at keith at globalbandroom.com to start working with me and these world-class student travel teams and while you're doing that you're supporting the podcast and documentaries thank you let's talk a little bit about a little bit about marching so um you know a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are drum corps fans and um came uh via the finding drum corps podcast uh that we that we uh, produced last year so there's a lot of american marching art uh fans uh that that listen to the to the podcast so i always like to talk a little bit about that and funny talking about john lynch you know john is so associated uh, associated with uh, fine arts conducting as you would be too but you both have a a history with and and, and you are currently director of athletic bands uh, as well um you both work with marching band too have you ever um had a moment where marching band has been something that you you know would rather not do because because that happens you know there's plenty of uh plenty of people out there that would um would rather just focus on their concert band and their their wind symphony marching band though does seem to be something you're very proud of yes absolutely i I love the athletic bands and marching band and our, you know, we call it our pet band, you know, smaller ensemble within the larger marching band. And I, I, I'm just kind of in love with the triangle, if you will. I get the opportunity to be that artistic conductor, to lead our concert, mm-hmm. you know, concert 
hands. And then also have another area of my career, you know, leading and directing our marching band and our athletic band program, something I just fiercely passionate about. I love our marching arts. And then also the third element of which I do is our music education, you know, being on our music education faculty and uh, teaching courses in our music education curriculum. So I feel very fortunate. I can, you know, kind of be in these three different areas of, of our school of music here at the university of Missouri, but yes, very fortunate. And I, always view and and want the marching arts to be a part of my you know career moving forward you know obviously having you know such a long history of it it's always been a part of my career and and I just don't see it ever leaving you know my career and especially now being again back home at my at my alma mater and in a program that gave so much to me as an undergraduate student it's, it truly is a dream, you know, to be back and directing this ensemble because Marching Mizzou specifically defined my collegiate experience when I was a student and it was deeply impactful for me. So to be able to, again, now lead that program and work every day to provide my students with any shred of, you know, the atmosphere and, and opportunity is 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 very rewarding and very moving. It's something I I definitely don't take lightly. So so what does a year, what does a season normally look like for um for University of Missouri and for for Amy Knops? Um, you know, from from the beginning of the season, band camp right through. What what does that general season is it is it is it similar to other collegiate groups um but you know uh, what 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 what's the general outline of that year? Well, I, I always tell my students I do something for marching Mizzou literally every day. It is a year round <laughs> <laughs> commitment and a year round um, ensemble. Uh, we and and right now we're in our re- recruitment process for band one thirty six, which in March Mizzou you know was established in eighteen eighty five. So in fall of twenty twenty one, it it will be band one hundred and thirty six. So we're really proud of our long standing tradition of excellence in our program, and and right now, again we're in that recruitment phase. We we begin our audition process on day one of our spring semester, (laughs) it's quite winter right now, but (laughs) this is the name of the spring (laughs) semester. And we start hearing auditions and, and receiving those audition applications on our very first day of classes. And so we set all the information, all the information is released. And now when, when the calendar flips to March, we kind of kick it up in high gear, more recruitment, more outreach, you know, as students are finishing their degree, well, not their degree programs, but finishing, you know, their high school experience, they're looking to and making those choices of where they are going to be going their next year. We really want to get them, you know, tied to our program and auditioning for our program. And then after we get through the end of our semester, uh, I am looking ahead to building our summer newsletter. And this is something that I've released on June 1st. This has, it's like a 20 page PDF document that has 
everything everyone needs to know for the fall, including those band camp dates. What is the band camp schedule? What does that look like? What does our fall schedule look like? Because often we will have those dates and I've already got them, you know, here for this next year. And again, registration, enrollment items, everything they need to be successful and to help set them up for their experience with us in marching the zoo. And then between the audition process, and again, that time when we are looking ahead to the fall, it is all about constructing our our, our, our music curriculum and our shows and, and getting all of those elements in place, because I've got to have that in place by June 1st, similar to getting the newsletter out, but I've got to have all of our music lined up by June 1st, because we'll be shifting into rehearsal of our drumline of our color guard, our feature twirlers, of our golden girls, which is our, our dance um, entity at the University of Missouri that performs with Marching Mizzou. And they will begin rehearsal in June. And so I've got to have their music so then they can uh, get it choreographed and, and written and ready to go. So it's not just marching season. So Oh, it's, it's all year round. Yes, absolutely. And so, yeah, so when the calendar does move into August, we are um, looking ahead, you know, to the band camp experience, which is a full on, you know, three day, three rehearsal a day experience the week before classes begin. And then concurrently, you know, when the calendar flips to March, we also have another element of our preparation period. And that's our leadership team auditions, where we are selecting our section leaders for all the different instruments, selecting our drum majors, and moving our current students through that process. So that is done by mid-April. So our students know that they're going to be in that leadership team position. We will have leadership team meetings. We will have committee meetings. And they will also help me in that planning process for the fall. So... It's quite busy. <laughs> so it, it it is, and and it leads me on to my to my next question. How did you manage this over the last twelve months? Um, you know, and and how did you get to a point where you were able to be able, you were going to be able to smoothly transition into twenty twenty one and and a twenty twenty two season as well? Um, there must have been a lot of challenges in the last 12 months? Oh, this without a doubt has been the most challenging time period of my career. I have pages and pages of plans that are in the recycle bin because everything just was changing by the, almost, it felt like by the minute, you know, in that, Mm. in that time period over the summer, as we were looking to fall, looking to, you know, see how we would do this safely and touching back upon, again, our preparations for our tour of Ireland, which we were so hoping to go on, you know, we made that call four days prior to our departure. You know, we were, we were looking ahead. We were, le- you know, leaving our bags were getting packed. We were headed to Ireland and, and I had known, and I was keeping an eye on the coronavirus because of course it, you know, we had confirmed cases abroad. We were really looking, you know, at Ireland, the cases, you know, that were, it was, it was very minimal at the time, you know, back in that early March. Right. Period. Yeah. 
And, and Ireland and- seemed like it was the safe destination at that point. Right. Uh, you know, um, it it really was up until the the last minute that um, the bands like yours, you know, had to decide not to not to come. Right, absolutely, and and for our students, and really for our our faculty and staff as well, that was really the first domino to fall of the pandemic. And I remember we had made the decision. And then it wasn't even 12 hours later that then Ireland had made the decision, you know, about the parade and the canceling of the parade. And so, okay, well, we felt, you know, good about our decision because then what we were going over for was not an option for us anymore. There's no opportunity to perform. And then all of a sudden, it just escalated from there. Classes were moving to online. I had never heard of zoom before in my life until all of a sudden we were then teaching on zoom and trying to finish the semester as best we could. It was just such an unbelievable time. And it was just survive in advance, you know, as we were moving forward with focusing on keeping the quality of our instruction in our, in our classes high, still being able to comfort our students with what, we didn't know was going to be the outfall of the pandemic, losing the opportunity to perform, you know, with our students and finishing out the semester, not being able to make music together. And then all of a sudden it shifted to the fall. Okay. Well, how can we move forward in a safe manner for our students and move forward with any type of semester that would look and feel quote unquote as normal as possible. And so we just went through plans, plans, meetings, meetings at our university level within our conference, you know, our Southeastern conference, which that's the athletic conference that the university of Missouri is in. So our band directors there at that conference level, and then CBDNA, which again is the College Band Directors National Association. I'm a member of the Athletic Bands Committee. So we were meeting and we shifted our summer athletic band symposium to an online format because, of course, no one could travel. Everyone was in different stages of lockdown and, and there was different protocols and restrictions in place all across the states and it differed from state to state. So we shifted that to an, an online format and And the whole premise of that was, okay, well, how can we communicate? What can we communicate? What, you know, options and new policies and procedures and just guidance that we can provide our own collegiate programs, but also, you know, anyone at the high school and and middle school level as well. But, and it, it, it just changed and changed. And as we approached the start of students returning to campus you know I just I felt like I was modifying things by the minute (laughs) have you ever got to the point through any of this where you feel like okay I'm now on top of what the new normal and I I hate that term but I've now got on top of what the new normal is no (laughs) no (laughs) because it keeps changing no uh 
as we got into the semester and as we were modifying our our approach and our rehearsal schedule, you know, there did come a point where we had set up a successful rehearsal schedule and that seemed to be working well for us and for our students. We were, were able to move forward safely at a reduced format because, you know, for us, we deal in large groups. You know, <laughs> I have a 300 member ensemble, you know, Marsha Mizzou is 300 members, a large group, you know, we perform for 75,000 people, a very <laughs> large group. And so when we were asked to then be in a smaller format, that's difficult <laughs> for, for so many of, of our, our colleagues. And of course, you know, bands all across the world, because, we are a group. <laughs> so Right. It, by our very nature, we're affected by this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but there did come a point where I felt that we were functioning very well. We were functioning safely. We were, again, able to, to complete a music curriculum and service our students, service our university well. Was it perfect? Of course not. Were we able to move forward in... normality? Of course not. But we were functioning. We were doing it safely. We were proud to represent our university. We were proud to continue to learn our history, our tradition of our university, of Martin Mizzou specifically. So I was very proud of that, you know, both musically and we were able to move forward marching as well and learning a modified, what we call our pregame show uh, that has a number of our history and traditions musically of our and movement wise of our university and then put together a halftime show. But of course it was a modified format. We basically split March and Mizzou into, into two, you know, we had a, a March Mizzou black band, a March Mizzou gold band, which is tied to our colors at the University of Missouri. And then for our, our football game performances, we were in an even more reduced capacity. We had March Mizzou in thirds, an MIZ marching Mizzou, a ZOU marching Mizzou, which University of Missouri, we shortened that for Mizzou, MIZ, ZOU. And then we had a Tigers marching Mizzou. And so we rotated. First half was MIZ, second half was ZOU. And then that third group was on standby in case we did have to fill any any positions. If, you know, someone, you know, wasn't able to be with us in the performance, we could then fill in their spot. And so we got to move forward really successfully, you know, with that for a good portion of the season until we neared our American Thanksgiving because by then you saw cases start to come up a little bit in our community and on campus. Thankfully, no one, you know, in our, in our, in our ensemble contracted the virus, you know, from marching Mizzou from our, any of our ensembles, both in an indoor setting or an outdoor setting. And we're proud that that's happened nationally. We know no one has contracted the virus from, you know, a musical setting. But in cases were starting to come up, our hospitals were starting to get a little overwhelmed. So our university transitioned to remote learning for the remainder of the semester. So we did that as well. That ended our in-person contact. And then we moved, again, our class periods online. So tell me, how are you planning for 2022 um, differently? So 21, 22, September, um, the beginning of the new academic year. 
How are you planning for that differently this year than you would have been planning for it last year? Um, are you are you have what have you learned over the last twelve months? Um, or is your hope that we are back to to some sort of normal uh, pre pandemic uh, experience? Right. That's what I'm hoping for. And that is what we have our eyes set on. Uh, certainly, you know, it, it, it will, you know, probably look a little bit different. We may still be asked to, you know, be at a social distance, you know, and students may want to do that, you know, as for, as their own comfort level. I, I think there's going to be this, this, you know, intermediate year where it's, it wasn't what it was, you know, in those really, really strict, you know, um, level of restrictions and mitigation techniques, you know, but it may not be a hundred, hundred percent pre-pandemic level. So there may be just, you know, again, a, a middle year where because, you know, of the level of virus in our community is a lot lower and we have more access to the vaccine students, you know, and, and our community members are getting, you know, have the opportunity to get vaccine, you know, get that vaccine. And again, we're seeing, you know, that level of the virus come down, potentially there's more options available for, you know, for treatment plans. It, it will again, look, look and feel more and more normal. And that's definitely what I'm hoping for. And I've got my, my eye on, but I do have it in my mind. Okay. Well, we may still be socially distant, you know, or we may have students that still, want to wear a mask, want to wear that playing mask, you know, and, and that's, mm-hmm. that would be more welcome and fine. It may not be a requirement for us to do, depending on, again, the status of where we are, you know, with the virus and what, what the level of, again, our health restrictions are, but we'll have to abide by whatever the university, of course, sets in place for us. And, and of course, across our conference, but as we know, we're ready to work with anything. We are. <laughs> this past year, we have learned the F word of flexibility. So we are ready to go in a direction that, that we're asked to do. But I'm so hoping we can get back to a more and more normal level of performance and level of engagement, you know, with not only our ensemble, but again, our university and our community. And then eventually, back on a plane to head back over to Ireland to participate in the St. Patrick's Day <laughs> parade and festivals. Well, I, I think I think that's a great way to um, finish our, our, our interview. And, and certainly uh, we're looking forward to, to, to having you here in Ireland um, and uh, to celebrate. Again, you know, most of the most of the listeners are, are are in the US, and so they they hear me talking about Ireland a lot. Uh, but you know, it is one of those St. Patrick's Day. It is one of the world's big marching events, uh, and yeah. to to have that and the Rose Bowl and Macy's and all of the other St. Patrick's Day parades happening all over the world. I, I just that's I think what we're all looking forward to um, the most here, um, and to to be able to see kids putting on shows, putting on parades, um, uh, you know, so I think that's a, that's a great place to maybe sign off our, our interview today. And uh, thank you so much, Amy, for, for, for joining me and, and, and best of luck to, to you and the band and the university as you navigate the rest of 2021. 
thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And this is going to be and continue to be a long connection between the University of Missouri and Ireland. And again, we just cannot wait to, to head back and participate in the parade, you know, for our students in our community and and also for everyone over there. Let's get back to embracing these students, embracing these performances, and just having the opportunity to come together and celebrate. We can't wait. Thank you so much again to Amy for joining me on this week's show. I'll be back next week talking to more great guests from around the band world. So head over to wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you subscribe and maybe even leave us a review. In the meantime, you can stay up to date with us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Global Bandroom and on our website, globalbandroom.com. So until next time, stay safe and I'll see you back in the bandroom.